Hey, what's going on? Thank you for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. My name is Billy Newman. I'm here with Marina Hansen in the studio today. How you doing, Marina? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks so much for doing another podcast with me. It's a Monday night. It's uh, late in November. The weather's starting to turn a little bit. I'm watching my watch as like the barometer goes up and down now. I'm like seeing the pressure change. I don't know if you watched it on your watch a little bit. Yeah, it goes. Yeah, it's fun. I just had a storm alarm go off a little bit ago. The pressure's it's dropping, Marina. It's been dropping pretty fast today. (laughs) The pressure's dropping, so we're going back to uh, some bad weather. Apparently, that's what that means. Um, But uh, but we're working on some photo projects too, and probably going to talk about those a little bit on this podcast today. Some of them have been pretty fun. I've been kind of enjoying some of the different editing stuff that I've been doing like uh, not using Lightroom for everything or doing some of the raw processing outside of that and some other stuff. And I don't know, there's just kind of some different opportunities and stuff there. But otherwise, it's like kind of been like organizing and like recataloging some stuff. Yeah. Trying to sort out the hard drives and stuff. I'm trying to get ready for 2018 and some data management stuff that maybe we can talk about some other time. Of like how to use hard drives, how many you need, how many backups you need how to like re-archive stuff and probably just talk about it. Like the trouble, like, cause we're not experts, but just the trouble that we have of trying to sort out the hard drives that we have and like where the data is. Do we have duplicates of it? Like, I think you were talking about that today of the duplicates that you have in yeah. files in the archive. Yeah. I've been putting together. I'm also trying to get in shape for 2018 and all my photo work for that year. So uh, I've been putting together an archive of all my stuff. And yeah, I'm at that point where, I really just have to weed out all the duplicates that I have of so many things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely there too, where there's so many different little parts of files that have been made from the original raw file that was taken, like the, the original photograph. There's so many derivatives of that that have come out of it over the, over time, especially if it was a photo that I liked that I ranked highly, you know, and that I'd already exported. There's already copies of that as a JPEG or some other like smaller web-sized thumbnail of it. Yeah, I have a lot of different sizes. Yeah, and that's the one that I'm trying to get through right now. I'm I'm gonna try and go through this catalog and I'm gonna try and sort it out so that I pull like the the top few thousand photos of the last decade that are the raw files that I really wanna be able to work on or get access to or make new versions of or prints of or something, whatever that might be, but just to have access to kind of quickly or you know like, oh yeah, these are all the memories that I'm really after. I want those best versions of the files available to me. But a lot of the time I've noticed in that, like it's really difficult to get to that given like the current archive structure that I have where it's just all 100,000 photos that I have. Yeah, I can't really get to stuff in the way that I need to. So I'm gonna try and like figure that out where it's all the best stuff that I wanna have with me right now. Everything gets archived to the cloud or to some, some cold storage thing or you know, to some old hard drive that gets shut off or something, but some some place where we get like everything stored there. And then really just like the last like year or 18 months or so, and like the next six months or so is what I wanna be able to like keep on the hard drive that I'm working on. But we should talk about more like hard drive data stuff as the year comes in a little bit closer. Yeah, I, I know we're planning on, or we're kind of in the process of changing around how our hard drives are set up for uh, all yeah. the photo stuff. Yeah, we're trying to get, I think, a little bit bigger stuff. Because, like, right now I have the four terabyte hard drive here. That's the one that plugs in. And that one's been great for, like, doing some storage stuff. But now, like, you know, like, the data rates, uh, they it just the cost comes down so much that you're able to get a really large size, large capacity hard drive for not much money. And I think the, uh, like, the, 
the cost of that is a lot better than some of the cloud storage stuff and just some of the efforts of uh, trying to put something in the cloud and then trying to pay to keep it there year after year after year. I'm really looking for a lot of these things that aren't really super important or super high priority to be able to put in some kind of cold storage thing like this, like what we're talking about, where we have a backup of it on a hard drive that's kind of put aside that we don't have to worry about too much. But kind of like what we noticed, and I think like what uh, one of those burned out cables that's in the trash right now is uh, a, signal, a signal of is that hard drives go bad sometimes. Like that hard drive that we had, that portable one where it burned out at the USB port. Right. It was terrible. Yeah. It's yeah. So Good that, thing there's nothing on it. Yeah. So that, well, yeah. And nothing that we needed. Yeah. At least nothing, nothing that's that not backed up. There was, yeah. That's the yeah. thing. Nothing that there was a back. So if, it would be terrible if, you know, one of these hard drives went where it was the, like the sole, the sole house of all of the data that we have, especially like all of like the decade of photographs that we made and stuff. So I'm really trying to be con- conscious of trying to keep those in multiple places at the same time. So we've done an effort to put those up on the, uh, on like a cloud storage service, which has been okay. I, but I think it's like, oh, it's not the best version of those files. If I understand right, it's like a JPEG version. There's a few limitations around it, if I understood right. But it's um, it's okay. I don't know. We'll try and put a bunch of stuff up on the Prime Photo service like that. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask which, uh, which services you're using right now. Yeah, pro- the Amazon Prime cloud services is what I'm trying to use for the photo storage. And uh, they have like unlimited photo photo uploads for a lot of stuff. And we, we put up a lot of stuff. Uh, on that, but you, you kind of keep have you have to make it current. So there's all this stuff from 2016 and 2017 that wasn't really part of that, and so I need to upload all of that content up into the cloud. Oh, sure, yeah, you just have to keep keep adding to it. Yeah, yeah, I have to keep kind of I have to keep some of that stuff synced, and I think even still there's there's a lot of gaps within like 2015 and 14, and that's all just stuff that we can file ourselves, but um, but stuff that that didn't make it up originally. Um, and so now that I have like this, uh, this like new catalog, like, so what I, what, so before I get out of myself, what I did this weekend is, uh, you know, I took the hard drives. I had this one terabyte hard drive that I use as like my portable drive. That's like my storage and stuff like the tank that I have with my laptop when I'm in my bag out on the road. And that has all my photos on it. And it's really just had a copy of like the whole photo archive for a long time. But what I've been wanting to do is update that for 2017 take every photograph I have, every JPEG, DNG file, any, any raw file or photo file that I have on my computer, on any of my hard drives. I want to try and condense that down into one set of files that are organized in some way. And so I wanted to, to use Lightroom to do that since Lightroom in its back end when it, when it brings in files. It'll bring in files from one hard drive and then write them into a new file architecture on another hard drive. And so I tried to take um, I tried to take everything and I backed it up into the four terabyte hard drive, and then I brought everything back over and I filtered it through Lightroom so that I could get everything put into a new file architecture that matched by um, by like month and date and year of uh, of the file date. And most most of the metadata is correct. But like, you know, Marina, like a lot of the metadata for, for whatever weird camera or whatever set of film that we had that was scanned by some computer that never had its clock set and still says 2002. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of stuff that has the wrong metadata date where it shows up like when my D3's battery died and it said it was 2007 in February again, because that was the first date that that computer knew in that camera. And it just reverted to that date again. That's the worst. It was silly. Yeah. 
so it's mis it's misdated, but it's really fine for for most cases. So I was able to bring all those photos back over, put a new collection together. It was about five hundred gigabytes or so, and then I was able to transfer that back over to the to the larger drive. And then the plan is to wipe the Go drive, the one that I have with me all the time, and uh, and then bring back over like I was talking about at the beginning, like the top few thousand photos. And then everything that I'm kind of currently working on for this year and last year. So there goes our heaters. <laughs> Banging in the background. Bang, bang, bang. Sounds like hammers on a pipe. It really does every time. That is exactly what it sounds like. I never get used to it. Like when it comes into, into fall and those start popping. <laughs> it's pretty funny. All through the winter, all through spring. Still, like it's like in the 70s, late May. Ugh. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so we're trying to do like this collection of archiving all these photos and trying to organize it and put it together and it's been a fine process so far but like trying to get your hard drive straightened out especially when you're a little short on space because you sort of wait until you start to organize your hard drive until until you're running low on space and you're like oh man i gotta do something i gotta move these files around so i can kind of get by still and that's what i, I was running into problems with too where it was like every hard drive was starting to get full and i go oh man i gotta get like a new hard drive and like we were just talking about hard drives go bad especially the portable ones especially these spinning disk drives, like the MacBook I have now, that's an SSD. Those solid state systems are going to last a lot longer than the spinning disk mechanisms because that magnetic spinning disk plate is going to mechanically fail after some number of miles of revolutions that it makes, that the motor does. But the solid state system has the advantage because there's no moving parts and it's just electricity. And so it's really conceivable that there's really no finite point that that drive will fail like most thumb drives or something optical media it's kind of like thought that that's going to burn out after 20 or 30 years you're not really even going to be able to use the disc as it's stored unless it's stored in like a good condition but thumb drives and other like solid state media if if the rom doesn't lose whatever data was on it it's likely that you know it'd still be readable if it wasn't damaged so it's kind of interesting like how Different yeah, types of media. What's lasting work. and what's not. Yeah, it is kind of weird. But other photo projects, there's some stuff going up on Instagram that's been cool. I've been trying to keep up with my uh, Instagram stories and stuff and trying to put up uh, some stuff that's sort of like a vlog. Not really, but just like some stuff about the cameras that I'm working with or the lenses and stuff that I'm working with. And, uh, and I don't know, just sort of some day and day stuff that's up on Instagram at Billy Newman. I'm trying to have a good time with it and I'm trying to like message a bunch of people, I'm trying to do a bunch more marketing stuff like that. I've also been trying to do some more promotion work, like trying to work in um, uh, adding like three or four dollars behind a post to get a CPM of about 500 to 1,000 people or so, kind of based on whatever market it is, which has been cool. Yeah, how's it been working? It's been going pretty well, and um, I like it. I like it for the most part. I need, to, I need to kind of go to school a little bit for this. I think I need to try and spend some time on Amazon or uh, sorry, on, uh, on YouTube, uh, kind of going through some video stuff about how to use some of this backend stuff and how to like get more out of it. And so, sort of the same thing with Amazon too. Like we were talking about the prime photo services and there's a lot of like the AWS uh, backend stuff that I want to try and figure out, like how to do storage of files. Like we were talking about like the photos through prime photos, but also like for like bigger video files or bigger projects and stuff. There's lots of stuff on Amazon that you can do to, to store large files when you upload it and, uh, and you just kind of pay for bandwidth for, or pay for storage to whatever amount you use. But I've been kind of looking at 
of both little systems. Um, but some of the stuff is going up on Instagram. It's a photograph of uh, the uh, Alvord Desert. It was one that I was, I was working on in Luminar. And that was from a, um, a raw file that I had from the A7R when we were out in the, out in the desert, out in the Alvord back in September. And uh, there's like a couple of photos from there that I've been trying to work on a bit more. But through this software called Luminar that I was telling you about, it's like Luminar 2018. It's this update to some software that's been around for a long time. And it's uh, kind of, well, I don't know, a couple of years. It's a newer software. And it's, uh, it's definitely got like that modern Mac OS interface system. Kind of like, the, you know, how I was showing you some of the stuff in the new Final Cut. How there's some of those button interfaces. Yeah, it looked really similar in the layout. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's similar in it and just sort of the way that it operates and hides certain features. But, uh, but it was kind of interesting. It's a lot like the Lightroom system. Like in Lightroom right now, how we have the develop module. It's really a lot of the features that we'd see in the develop module, but really not the type of, of categorization system that we'd have in the, in the library module of Lightroom. And that's, I think, some of the stuff that Luminar is really lacking in right now. Where Luminar really does succeed is like a lot of the options in photo editing and uh, like kind of specific um, or sort of unique editing filters that you can add to the develop module on the side for some of the adjustments that you can make, like um, just some of the ways you can add luminance or brightness or soft glow or, or just different pieces like that. Um, the software is kind of able to, to provide a lot of different, different ways to add adjustments and stuff to the photographs. And there's been some really interesting stuff that I've been trying to make or, you know, like kind of, kind of coming up with different edits of some of the old photographs that we had just kind of gone through in Lightroom. That's cool. You've been checking it out. I haven't spent any time in it yet. You're doing a, is it like a 14 day trial? Yeah. I picked up, um, yeah, from the website, you can go and get a 14 day trial for the software. Uh, I think in the, the, the Mac app store, you don't really see a, an option for that, but I think you see, uh, just for sale, I think it's like fifty nine ninety nine or sixty nine ninety nine. Uh, there's probably a sale going on for Cyber Monday or, or uh, Black Friday, um, but uh, but it's been interesting software and it's you know it's been cool to use. I've been kind of um, I've been curious to see what other things besides Lightroom are going to pop up. And so we see like Affinity Photo, we see Luminar, we see Pixelmator. Uh, you know, there's Capture One and there's a few other kind of uh, kind of pro options out there. A lot of them though, outside of Capture One, um, a lot of them are, are lacking like the the content management or the, uh, the digital asset management side of it. Oh, right. I can't remember if it was Luminar or a different one that you had shown me, but yeah, it seemed more like uh, like Photoshop almost where you like, you take the file in and you process the file, but it doesn't store your set of photos that you're working. Yeah. With. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it was, it was for batch editing or, you know, like take, taking a thing, you know, kind of like how we, it, there's a little bit of batch editing stuff, but it still seems clumsy in comparison to the, to the tool set and workflow that you have in Lightroom. So really it seems like you would, you would still need Lightroom in some capacity to sort of organize some of your photographs in a way, at least like right now. Lightroom is really great for that. Yeah. Of what, of what there is right now. For the version that I have right now, I'm still way, way, way happy with the, the workflow that I have for the time being. So I have no need to like upgrade to the creative cloud version. That's, that's the current one that's causing problems. Uh, So I'm happy to keep the old version of Lightroom. And then in some capacity, like update some of my raw processing stuff on the outside of that to Luminar, where I get to kind of take advantage of some of the the more modern processing techniques that are available in something like Luminar or something like Pixelmator. 
or something like affinity, like some, just the different preset packages and, and mess around with some of the new creative stuff. That's kind of new and modern for photography in 2018 as it's going to be. Um, it's kind of, it's cool to be able to test that out, but it's also nice to really be able to keep Lightroom around in the background Yeah, and, uh, and just have that, have that there to organize stuff. Like even just like what I was talking about of, um, like this big project I had of, of, you know, kind of trusting it to transfer 600 gigabytes of photographs through the computer and then onto a second hard drive and then categorize those under a file name by, by day, date and year. I just wouldn't really trust like software, like luminar to do that it's not capable of anything like that like you were talking about it can just take one graphic file in at a time process it and then save that out as a graphic file but it's not even like that same kind of non-destructive system where you you work on it for a while and then you just leave the program and it's saved those edits those adjustments to the photograph are saved non-destructively to the file it's still non-destructive editing but you still you have to save it as like a project file so like ultimately, instead of like just a single catalog where you would go through a lot of images, if you were working in Luminar more exclusively, you would have a folder of your photographs or photo projects, let's say, and you would have a photo, like a Photoshop file, but a Luminar file that was the image with the adjustments set aside to it. It's a really big file too. It's like with these like 45, 50 megabyte A7R photos, it's like a 70 megabyte file. That's huge. It's huge, yeah, yeah. So my poor little hundred gigabyte hard drive is uh, is choking. <laughs> so it's uh, I don't know, it's okay. Um, but the Luminar stuff, it's been cool to cool to work with. I'm gonna try and do some screen capture stuff with it. And with that, just kind of thinking about doing screen capture stuff, it's been making me think about screen capture stuff and trying to figure out how to do it. And I didn't really know how to do screen capture work before. And uh, pretty quickly I just figured out like uh, from people you know everywhere saying it that you can just use QuickTime the QuickTime player on the Mac to do that and it works really well like I, I pulled up QuickTime and then you go like file start new screen capture and then you click on the monitor that you want to start recording and you can kind of set some commands around if, the, if it's going to show the mouse click or mouse capture at all and so I was able to do that I don't know I was able to practice a couple times and make some screen captures and uh, I want to try and transition that over to some of the stuff that we were talking about of like similar to this right now, like record audio, like we're doing in the podcast, but then run a screen capture on the background while we're working in something like Luminar, while we're going through one of the photographs that we have from, you know, some place that we were at. And then we can show some of the adjustments and some of the ways of working in Luminar and making adjustments and then saving a file out. And then we can put that up as content on YouTube or, you know, other than, yeah, YouTube, that's where I went, Facebook or something <laughs> too, you know, they take videos. Yeah, that's really so, cool that you figured out uh, the screen capture stuff. That's awesome. That's so easy. Yeah, it, you know, it will be easy for us. For at least this kind of screen capture. Yeah, I'm hoping that I can try and uh, put some work into it and uh, and make some of the stuff, you know, sort of basic, but uh, but kind of easy to put together. And if it's as easy as this, like, of um, you know, just doing the podcast and doing it in the studio and having the audio and stuff running, um, yeah, it should be a good way to, to put together some some good image editing pieces for something like Luminar. I, I, was, I was scanning around on YouTube and there's really a pretty limited amount of good, of good introductory videos for some of this stuff. There's some that the company itself has put out and those are pretty good, oh, but yeah. some of the stuff on the outside of it, just the, the photography and the advice and the, the direction of editing and stuff around Luminar or around Affinity, um, some of the training tutorial videos I saw around it are just, they're kind of goofy and you don't really see like what's going on 
or you know, you just kind of end up with some kind of crazy image. That's it's just sort of some kind of quick. <laughs> oh, easy, sure, not how to not how to do real editing, but just if you crank this tool, this is the part that it's affecting. That's what it seemed like they ended up showing. I understand the idea that like when you're you're screen capturing and trying to figure out how to make something artistic, it doesn't really oh, go sure. together so well. So you kind of have a, have to do it like uh, Martha Stewart a little bit and have the two ovens going at the same time. So as soon as you put the pie in the oven to bake. Then you pull out the pie that's already cooked, right? Like, so you already you have to have a couple pieces already done uh, in advance. But, um, but yeah, it was kind of it was kind of funny watching some of the stuff. Is uh, um, it just doesn't seem like it's really developed yet. So, yeah, I want to try and put together some of the stuff around uh, our cool photos, our uh, our outdoor photos. Yeah, I think that's cool to get into. Do some landscape tutorials or something. If I can figure out how to edit, it might be just good practice for me to learn how to edit some photographs. I don't really edit enough. Uh, I don't do enough retouching, you know, oh, to like sure. really practice my skill to like hone the the craft of retouching. I don't know how it was for you, like doing a bunch of the wedding stuff. Like it's a lot of retouching to do, but just like it's the advancement of like getting better at retouching or, you know, I feel like, like my retouching skills are something that have definitely improved. I think oh, it's like yeah. other kinds of editing that I want to get into or just the more, the more stylized way of putting not not in a gross way yeah. just i don't know i don't know exactly what i'm really thinking about but i'm trying to just get more more refined in yeah and how i'm putting my photos together but retouching specifically pretty good at because <laughs> wedding yeah. photos are great practice yeah. oh yeah i'm sure i'm sure you get like a ton of practice in that but I want to try more too. And that's, that's why I'm messing around with Luminar. And, but really there's so much I can do in Lightroom still, or, you know, it's just kind of practicing, retouching and kind of working toward doing a better job at putting the files together and making them nicer, going back over some of the old ones. And I want to try and do a little bit more to like rough draft photos or, you know, like, Oh, How this is, is a, mean? well, just like, this is a rough draft of the edit. So I could go through and Lightroom. Oh, sure. and I, so you I, do like your first set of editing and then you'd, yeah, then I look at it and then I should edit it, kind of redline it a little bit, you know, see like, oh, this is good. This is bad. Or I see this. I see this grading. This light doesn't look natural. So some of that sort of stuff is the uh, the thing I should work on. Yeah, I noticed that that helps me a lot to go to like kind of come back to things a few times before they're done. I'd like to try and do that a little bit more. I should try and take it more seriously, like the editing part, editing and publishing part. I want to try and jump on more. It's winter time now. I got to put in more. Uh, it's a good time for studio hours. More studio hours is what more I got to do. Time. Way more editing time. So for uh, for the Luminar stuff that you have gotten to do, um, how is its editing compared to Lightroom? Um, like for for the parts of it that would be similar or comparable tools. Like, do you notice one seeming like it's better? Or do you notice what, like, is Lightroom still just the best thing that there is? Yeah, an old or version is... of Lightroom is still the best that there is. Yeah, an old version of Lightroom, I think, is. It's, it's really what it feels like right now. I mean, apparently there's some stuff in 2018 that's supposed to handle more, like, um, of the... I'm the sure import. there'll be a bunch of stuff coming out. Yeah, it's it's the digital asset management part that's not really built yet. Sure. And um, and, and that's but, the thing that's going to be built, I guess, in 2018 coming out by some of these software companies. Yeah. And that's when we're going to be able to see like which one might be better. But really as it stands right now, it be it still seems like Lightroom. For how about for like the actual photo editing part though or what I what you're able to do. 
yeah, with the for editing the, of an image, not so much organization. Of for photos. the yeah, that's a big part of it. Um, and going through there, there's there's interesting stuff that you can do. Uh, I know it's a new tool to learn, also. So there's probably an amount of just getting used to it. There's that part too. You know, when in 1992, 93, when Photoshop first came out, you see like um, oh you gosh. see the, the art from from that the photography art from then and it was yes. just like these insane rasterized images that didn't make any sense so it, some pretty freaky pictures yeah it, it, it was just like uh all the colors were like transposed into like these weird super hard like greens and reds and yellows i remember lots of yellows it, it was just if you cranked if you cranked everything to one side and it was just like oh, yeah right, just really we got harsh. it look at that but it was just the it was just because you they didn't know what to do with it yet, so they did the most with it. Sure, yeah. And it was bad. And then like <laughs> since then they like pulled back a lot, and so now like it looks like real life, or they're like like they're building something digital to look real. You know, it's like the, the artistic part of it's back where you just kind of you're just using the same thing to to try and lay in the same type of artistic principles that you would anywhere else. So part of that is to say in the same way as we're coming into these new tools and people are learning these new tools, like, like HDR was back in 2007, it's like mm -hmm. too hard sometimes. So similarly with some of this stuff, it's a little bit too hard on the editing side. And uh, I noticed that with Lightroom for years, like, you know, when Lightroom came out and with my own photos, when I edited them, there's just like, you know, there's just too much, there's just a little too much pressure, like a little too much gain or something on the signal. Like it was just about to break up mm. is what it felt like sometimes. So I don't know. That's just sort of like the immaturity of the photographer, myself in this case, and uh, and kind of how to understand how to use the tools. But uh, as it goes, the final answer of it is that any of these tools can really result in the same outcome of great work. You know, like what you would know too. It's like uh, it's just the artistic side of learning how to use some of these really basic tools to make more simple and refined adjustments to some spots that make the image a little bit more powerful. Like trying to do basic stuff like crop or color correction or, um, or like a little bit of, of tone curve stuff, you know, like make it brighter, make it a little bit more contrasty. That's sure. about all you can really do. I, I think there's, there's different layers and there's different heavy amounts of presets and hue grading, like whatever, whatever that stuff is of the, the forest photos with no green. Mm -hmm. yeah. there's, there's that, I guess that you can add. But I really think that like a lot of it should be pretty slight adjustments that are there to try and like add to the photo in some way. And okay. I think that those you can do in any of these softwares, you know, in, in any control panel of adjustments on the side, you can, you can export to anything that like would really, that would work pretty well. But in the same way, it's just like a new flavor of a thing to do, or it's a new workflow that kind of breaks up some of the old crusty habits that I've had in the past. Yeah. Like that's how it is with Lightroom, trying to go from Lightroom to Luminar or, you know, and just, and just messing with it. Capture One, not a chance. It was way too complicated, way too kludgy of a, of an interface system there. Maybe for a pro that was really into that system, they could do it. I'm not required to, I'm not tied down to it at all. So it just seemed like this would be a waste of time ultimately for me to like really put a ton of pressure into if it's really not a more productive tool for me to get something done. Yeah. You follow what I mean? Like, yeah. It's like, this just seems like hard and complicated. Yeah. Not necessary. Yeah. To to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a little bit, I don't have a capture one or I don't have the phase one medium format camera. 
you know, yeah. if, you, if, if I dropped, got a, 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 you know, some insane camera dropped off, I guess I'd try and mess with that software more, you know, cause it's like proprietary to it. But yeah. outside of that, uh, you know, no, I don't need it. And I, and I didn't buy the pro software either. So, um, I guess, you know, this, the, the decision was made for me as it goes though, with, uh, using like Lightroom and Luminar, I don't know, the editing stuff. It works really well. I've been digging the Luminar stuff because it's a little bit of a way to break up some of the editing choices that I was making in Final Cut or, or sorry, in Lightroom continually. And so changing that part up has been a good way to do stuff. Like I like the photograph that I, uh, that I put together the Alvord Desert over here um, from one of the raw files that we shot out in the Alvord with the A7R. And uh, it was like, you know, during sunset and I was able to kind of pull in some of the warmth. The, the original photo was kind of great. You remember the day out there. The Alvord was a little bit gray. It was a little low on color and low on warmth and stuff. Right. I was able to pull a lot of that back into uh, to the raw file, you know, to, to the image when I was editing it. And I kind of, I just like the way that some of it came out. So I really like how that one came out. The colors look really nice and natural. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like, it looks yeah. like it's, it's well put together. It, yeah. As, as photo editing software did, that goes, it did fine. It works nicely. It comes together, you know, pretty well. So I was happy with that, but uh, yeah, some of the batch editing stuff, it's got a long way to go. Some of the resizing stuff, it did fine. Or, you know, like uh, just, just setting up kind of the export file, the export system of what, what oh, you can yeah. do to the file on the way out. That's a little bit reduced from some of the bigger options that you have in Lightroom. Lightroom has a ton of option variations to get into yeah. for exporting. Yeah. So like the workflow that I have at work, like outside of an artistic workflow where you're trying to take a choice image and then make adjustments to it to make it its best and then export that as like a piece of art outside of that kind of workflow like what i do on the production side of taking a few hundred stock photos of equipment and trying to process that like batch process it and batch export it this sort of software would just be no good because you'd still you kind of can do batch processing but it's real clumsy it's nothing like what you would really expect if you're trying to do it efficiently or you know properly and that's kind of a tricky thing so i don't know we'll see like what they they kind of develop over time but like i would never want to switch over from lightroom to something like this if i were trying to do batch processing and exporting of all the production work that i do it would never um, work as that you know like yeah, because like to take to grab 30 photos and then export those and have the export resize all 30 of those to whatever long width of it and whatever file type into whatever directory of a folder. It just, I don't have the option to do that in some of the Luminar stuff. I can like edit the photo, sort of like you were talking about, like edit the photo in Photoshop, make some adjustments, but not really any healing brush adjustments. You can kind of get by with healing brush. But like the healing brush stuff, it works way better in Photoshop. Like the content aware healing, mm -hmm. way more effective than probably. I mean, like it's just Adobe. They've been doing it for 30 years trying to figure out how to do that technology. And they're way better than probably anybody at the algorithm that, that does the cloning tool stuff. I'm amazed at like some of the stuff they can do. So you can, you can kind of get by in Luminar if you need to like clone something out. But it's still a little tough. It's like it's, it's still a little patchy. Yeah. <laughs> I remember like the, the cloning out tool that Lightroom has or that like really basic one, like really oh, yeah. just started being yeah. good yeah. not that long ago. Exactly. Yeah. It was bad. It was really bad. I remember it being 
frustrating. Yeah, that's the only thing. I always thing. had to use Photoshop. I always had to bring it into Photoshop. Yeah, one time just to do a yeah, little bit of little work. Touch up piece. Yeah, <laughs> just some little tiny things. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. My workflow is completely different now. I really just only use Lightroom. Yeah. I right? almost never. Like, I did a lot of basic, but. Um, but like necessary uh like retouching and stuff for wedding photos yeah and uh just like stuff on skin and stuff uh or like things in the background and really like it gets the textures of thing and the t- colors or like the, the shading just in the patch yeah so so well now it's really impressive like you can do so much with retouching just in lightroom now I'm, I'm and way, i used yeah. to I remember I used to, I had a friend who was a makeup artist and I used to help him with photo shoots for his projects. And I would do a lot of retouching for those shots afterwards. And I always had to take them into Photoshop because Lightroom couldn't do like just little basic skin retouching things. Wow. Yeah. I remember Not that too. Not in a good way. I, I know. I know. I could never do it. And yeah, it's gotten much, much better. Like the, the healing yeah, brush tool has gotten now. much better. Um, so I'm sure it's probably better even still in like the more advanced versions than the, the few years old version of Lightroom that we're running right now. And I hear that there's other tools. Like I hear Pixelmator is really quite good for the healing system like that. And I hear, um, what was the other one? I don't know. I think it maybe it's Pixel. It might be Pixelmator, but I hear that that's, or maybe it's Affinity, but one of those softwares is the one to use for like your 3D images. Like if you're getting like 3D photos or something, you have one of those, uh, the, I'm sorry, not 3D, the 360 degree cameras. Oh, yeah. Where you're recording like a spherical image. Yeah, and you like stitch it. Yeah, I guess you can stitch it in this program and then you can do, you can do some of the healing brush stuff around like the base of it where the camera is. Like, you know, like a 360, like say you were to look around, you can look up, like, but straight up, there's going to be like a a dot. It's going to be like a gray dot where there's no data. And then like straight down, there's going to be the same thing where some of the data's come together. And so I guess like this this is the software that works even better than Photoshop right now to work on these 360 image environments where you can go through and like pull the image around and then use the healing brush on one of those spots and then have it close that out. And then you can render that out as a, as a 360 uh, like file to what, I don't even know what file type that is. And then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then, and then edit it from, or you know, work on it and, and use it from there. But that's how like they're producing some of these files. Interesting. That's cool. I want to try and learn a little bit about that. Like, and also like, uh, and how that 360 stuff relates to the stock photography market. I was looking at that a little bit. Like, um, when you look at iStock photo or story blocks, which, um, takes like video and audio and photo. And then there's like pond five, there's a handful of other like uh, stock photo systems out there, but a lot of the stock photography sites, they were talking about a need for, these 360 environments for like people that are doing VR development, that sort of thing. So they need these file, these, these stock files to build their VR environments with like good produced or, you know, well-produced 360 images. I was trying to figure out like, Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think like, Oh, I wonder how like we could do that sort of on the side of doing other landscape stuff, but you know, go out to places and then do get like 360 footage and then edit or, you know, like do just like some of the simple production stuff of it and then put it up on some of these stock sites that it, where it's like in need to get this type of 360 content. Yeah. Where there's already so much of a flood of landscape work in stock as right. it goes. Huge amount. Yeah. So we like that. 
but i'm trying to think of like content and media work that's sort of around like maybe we're not going to get paid for landscape photos for a little bit so but maybe we can make stock 360 photos (laughs) yeah and make a little bit of money because there's not enough of those right now and then and then use that as an excuse to go on trips out to eastern oregon and, and make photos of fort rock or you know somewhere cool in lake sure. county but we're but we're making a, some 360 photos or th- some 360 content or something like that that's uh that you know goes up on one of these stock sites but it's just kind of a fun side idea so yeah. we can try in the springtime maybe that's interesting i didn't know that that was a, a part of the stock photography need now it seems like it's coming into a lot of stuff around vr yeah vr is really big yeah yeah a lot of stuff around vr and a lot of drone footage is, oh man is i'm in super demand. into the drone stuff i want a drone really badly this next year we should try and get an inexpensive drone we should try and take it to some spots to get some good basic stock footage of uh sure. of some good stuff outside yeah like the places that we go you know all that stuff would be great to get uh, 360 and like aerial drone stuff but you know like that's what i was thinking is like man i bet we could run a business really if if we just try to book ourselves to do like even just stock yeah, trips to do like footage. 360 and uh, and aerial drone footage that goes up onto stock sites as we like populated it in like a pretty significant effort to produce and produce, produce. But yeah. you know, like one of the trips we made or something like that. Yeah. If we did that two or three days a week, wherever we were going, you know, and like, uh, like we took off to, you know, somewhere and, and, you know, worked out of a hotel for a couple of days and made some aerial shots and some 360 shots sort of a thing and then edited them and put them up from uh you know whatever we'd probably be like some of the first people to make 360 and aerial content of a lot of these outdoor places that'd be so cool i'm really into that yeah i think the 360 stuff is a cool idea yeah and i've been yeah i've been on board for the drone stuff oh yeah i know i know yeah we need a couple grand awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we, we need some bucks oh man oh man yeah but I, I really want to try and do that yeah i was i was thinking like wow yeah we probably make some of the first especially under the scope of being like cinematography like mm-hmm. there's there's probably a handful of things that are going up but it's it's probably not as much like shot or you know like like a photo photography level yeah work and uh, i think that we could probably excel in that pretty quickly if we were uh if we were jumping in there but first we should get our toes wet and this winter we should try and put up like a portfolio of at least a hundred of our images and try and go through and like learn about it like put up the photos into a stock library try and tag them and title them and get them like in there get our account going get our just get, get it figured yeah, out you know what get I mean? familiar with how yeah how their system works yeah and then see like oh yeah okay this is the sort of stuff that we're seeing in 360 video right now but i know it's probably going to be maybe not a fat i think it's really going to be like something content related to virtual reality virtual reality is going to be really necessary and that could be static photos like it's been. It could be like 360 video. It could be a lot of different things, but it's kind of interesting that um, it's just like a new thing that's sort of opening up. Uh, so we should try it. It'd be fun. There's probably like a need for it somewhere on the West Coast. And uh, I don't know. Maybe we can get paid for it someday. That'd be cool. We'll be so on the, on the edge, Marina. <laughs> that's what we got to do. We got to be on the cutting edge. Cutting edge of VR. Ooh. Stock photography. <laughs> I'm in. That sounds cool. We can put it on a resume, Marina, that we make we're we're VR content developers. Yeah. Ooh. Sounds great. Yeah, it's a good hey. It's gonna be real, Marina. It's all right. The yokels yeah. around here, they don't know, but we know. Oh my gosh, I know. We know, Marina. We gotta stay ahead. We gotta stay ahead.
we got to do it. But I think that's probably everything uh, I got going on for uh, for this episode of this podcast. What about you, Marina? I think that wraps it up pretty well. I think it'll be cool. Thanks a lot for doing a bit of a longer one in the studio again. I think we're going to try a handful more of these. But, uh, but yeah, I appreciate you talking about uh, some of the little deals we got going on. Don't miss it. This week, there's going to be uh, maybe, I don't know, three three photos that hit Instagram. Something cool from the <laughs> desert, probably. I bet. I'm betting. It's probably something from the Oregon high desert. What, <laughs> what, would, you, what would you know? Shut <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, whoa, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. Thank you so much, Marina, for joining me and doing some coasting today. Thanks so much for having me on, Billy. I uh, appreciate it. So on behalf of Marina Hansen, my name is Billy Newman, and thanks so much for listening to this episode of the podcast.